You're listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church. We're located in the Ballston neighborhood of Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us on the web at cumcballston dot o-r-g. There you can learn more about our congregation, where we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Good morning. The parables of the prodigals, Luke 15, verses 1 through 3, 11 through 32. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. I want you to picture this. Jesus is going to be telling a story. The them are the Pharisees and the scribes. It may be that the others, the sinners, are around them watching, maybe with a smile on their face. And the Pharisees and the scribes hear the first words. There was a man who had two sons. Steeped in scripture, they knew that this could only mean trouble. Two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. Two sons, Jacob and Esau. Two sons, Cain and Abel. The Pharisees and scribes are expecting a good story. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. The young son is saying he wishes his father was dead. This is beyond comprehension. This is shocking. There's only one response the father can make to this sort of utterance, and that is to beat this child almost to death. And if he can't do it, his older brother should take up a stick and beat him. So he divided his property between them. This is incredible. This is a wealthy man, we find out. And he's going to break up his property, diminish his own wealth, diminish the wealth of his older son, who is to get everything, or two-thirds of everything, and to give it to this ungrateful younger son. This is beyond comprehension to anyone who was listening to this story. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and he traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country, who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. 
I am no longer worthy to be your, called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still well, far... Let me, oh, hold, okay. let me get in there. The son gathered all he had. What the son does is a fire sale. He takes his share and he goes out and he sells it for whatever he can and two things happen. Number one, he's not going to get full value. Number two, the whole village knows what's happened. You can't keep a secret in these small villages. Everyone knows what has happened. And he leaves to a distant country. That's code for leaving outside of Israel, outside he's with the Gentiles. And now we hear that with the Gentiles, he loses everything. This is a society that shames. He has lost everything to the Gentiles. He's with the pigs, which makes him ritually and actually unclean. Nobody gives him anything. He is being treated like a pig. He is no longer a human being in the eyes of the people that he's with. He's at rock bottom. So he comes up with this plan to go back to his father. Does he seek forgiveness? Maybe. But he's rehearsing. I cannot be your son, so I'll be one of your hired hands. Let me back in so I can survive. But he's not asking for forgiveness. And with that, he sets off to see his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Picture this. The father, wearing a caftan, is running after him. This is shameful action. Fathers don't run out after their children. The children come to them or a servant goes out. Maybe the mother. And why is he running? It's not just to greet his son. It's to save his son from the shame of a ceremony. You see, back in those days, people liked to make fun of losers. We see that today. So what would happen to somebody who comes dragging back to the village after losing everything? Some of the younger people would race out to them with old pots of crockery and smash them at the person's feet, saying, that's what you're worth, a broken pot. It is the bottom of shame. By running out to his son, the father is preempting that. The forgiveness, the love has already begun. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. 
For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The father doesn't wait to hear the whole story. The father doesn't get a chance to respond to the deal, but I'll be a servant. The father interrupts him. And the son was dead. In that society, to go to a foreign land, to go to the Gentiles and lose all your money is to die. You would never show your face up again at home. And the father wraps him in a cloak, puts a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. The cloak is the cloak of protection. The signet is to say, this is my son, touch him not. Sandals on his feet so they can come and celebrate. And celebrate they do for the child has come back from the dead. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the young men and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. In this story, like the younger son, the older son is not in his father's house. The older son is not celebrating. The older son is just hearing for the first time what's happened. And the tale teller, the young man, was very likely one of those who was so anxious to break one of those pots and to give an I told you so. So he's hearing this, the son is hearing this, outside the father's house. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. Remember, the father doesn't go out at all. You send a servant, that's what they're for. Or you send the mother or a sister. But the father comes out and leaves the celebration to plead with him? He's the father. Fathers in this society don't plead, they tell them. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I have been working like a slave for you. I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours come, come back, who has devoured your property, with prostitutes. You killed the fatted calf for him. Prostitutes? Who said anything about prostitutes? As a matter of fact, as far as we know, the older brother hasn't heard any details. I never disobeyed your command. Never. You never even gave me a young goat so I might celebrate with my friends. Never. This son of yours. How many of you as a parent when saw something that your child did turned to your partner and said, this child of yours? This is a whiner. Then the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. 
the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And can we have the picture? It's a little dark. It may be hard to see. This is Rembrandt's Return of the Prodigal. Um, Henry Nouwen has a wonderful meditation on this, of which I'm going to draw on. And, of course, it's pretty easy to identify the father and the prodigal, son. And there are other figures in there looking on. And the figure to the right is the older brother. And what Rembrandt has done here is he's painted the spirit of the story. The older brother, it's hard to see this, is looking on with somewhat of disdain. But you see the older brother, like the father, has that red cloak. The father's red cloak is broadly spread. The hands are on the young man. And it's hard to see from back there, but the father's left hand is spread broadly and is very strong. The father's right hand is much more delicately painted. And one way of interpreting that is this both the father and the mother welcoming the child home. That's an important point. I mean, this same story can be with a mother and two daughters. And maybe in your lives or the lives of people you know, that's exactly the way the story went. Which one does the most damage? Lust or resentment? The younger son is overcome with young feelings and adventures and his older brother is overcome with resentment. We like to focus on the younger son. He's so wonderfully bad. Now, remember when you were really bad? It's hard for me to do that, but I was. Some of you were. And when you were done with your badness and maybe even felt lost in it, didn't you come back and feel wonderful when you were forgiven? But somewhere isn't there that dark voice that says, well, yeah, but maybe I shouldn't have been forgiven. Maybe I still owe something. Can we really grasp what it is to be welcomed to a table of love, to be forgiven, to accept forgiveness? In a little while, we will be giving our public confession. That will be your chance to accept forgiveness. Our son here, the young son, doesn't trust in forgiveness. Remember, he wants to make a deal. Don't we sometimes want to make deals? Accepting forgiveness. Let's take a look at the older son. Because he comes from a different place. You see, the light isn't quite on him. He's still in darkness. Now, I'm the oldest of six children. And I got to admit that in this story, I am much more drawn to the older son. Actually, there were five boys and a girl. And if the oldest of six children and the youngest is a girl, you can really develop some resentment. 
I was the babysitter. I um, got to stay home a lot. Um, I didn't get the car keys quite as easily as they did. And with that resentment, how well is it combined with feelings of competition and rivalry? We live in a society that values competition and rivalry. It's much easier for me to compete with you than to love you. The older son competing with the younger son. Maybe that's in some of your families. So we have a choice. The son has a choice. Resentment or gratitude. For this older son, the father says, everything I have is yours. The older son has security, has the father's love. Is it as much love as the father has for the younger son? How many of you remember the Smothers Brothers? Right. And Tommy, Mommy always liked you better. Remember that? It was their running joke. In some families that's not a joke. But it doesn't have to be that way. And it's not here in this story either. So the younger son, the older son. We tend to to take sides or to take a role. But there's a third actor here, a third prodigal, where the younger son is prodigal with his father's wealth and the older son is prodigal with his whininess. The father is prodigal with his love. Henry Nouwen says, the father as God, this is the God I want to believe in, one who is quick to forgive without even hearing the whole story. Inviting and blessing and never comparing. He tells the older son, your younger brother was dead and is now alive. That's not a comparison. That's a statement of fact. Henry Nouwen writes, when I look from my place in the world into God's kingdom, I quickly come to think of God as the keeper of some great celestial scoreboard, and I'll always be afraid of not making the grade. Nadia Boltzweber adds, a great scoreboard with a killer surveillance system. But as soon as I look from God's welcoming home into the world, as soon as I stand in God's shoes, I discover that God loves with a divine love, a love that seeds to all women and men their uniqueness without ever comparing. How can we do that? How do we replace competition with recognition? How do we enter a world and a house of celebration without competing, without comparing, without reserving our love for our friends and not our enemies. How can we replace cynicism in a world with joy in being in the world with others? We do it by growing up. Both of these two sons have to grow up to become like the father. So do we. Paul, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. 
I reasoned like a child, and when I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. He was talking to the Corinthians. Our world is full of wayward and angry and resentful children. Some hold responsible offices. Some hold responsibility far beyond their measure. But the true call to become like the Father in this story is to fill ourselves with compassion. We are invited to a table of love. We are to invite to a table of love. We do this by being open-hearted, by practicing an active faith, by practicing true humility and true hospitality. In short, we do this by following Christ. Now, how does this story end? How could it end? Just take a few minutes, and if you're near somebody, and I hope you are, turn to them, and talk to each other. Do you feel like the younger son? The older son? How would you have ended this story if you were standing there and hearing God tell it to you? Take a few minutes.